just want to put out to our community that all of the topics that are somewhat controversial uh, come from Charles. Hmm. No, they don't. But let, let's dive right into this one because I know we're going to, there's a lot of pros and cons. We're going to get pushed back about being, what? I said I agree, lots of pros and cons. Yeah, so so tee this up. Let, let's hit this topic right away. All right, the key takeaway is off. Me or you? You go, Nick. Let's let's hit this. So there's this franchise salesperson that goes to these expos and the small regional ones, they get a deal ever so often, maybe one or two a year. And it's enough for them to say, we're going to continue to invest in expos. Now here's where they're not wrong. The reality is if you look at the deal value, not the franchise fee, I agree. If you can get a deal done annually, then depending what you put in, let's say you do four regional expos, and this is going to be post-COVID, and, and you can see they're, they're already starting to talk about when they're going to release new ones. And frankly, sidebar, if Fauci is saying July universal vaccine, any expos before July, I would say are still going to be ghost town. So if it were my money, I would invest in any expos prior to July based on that insight. However, Let's say you get a deal out of an expo. You spent $20,000 plus travel uh, all in-ish um, for that booth and you get a deal and your average unit volume is a million dollars just to make this easy, which means you get 50 grand a year in royalty uh, times 10 years, 500 grand. So you spent 200 to gross 500 on a single unit deal on a million dollar AUV, you divide that in half, it's 250, you divide that again, you know, now we're down to 125, so you're still profitable. And let's just say your net as a franchisor is half of that, so 50%. So even at a $100,000 gross off royalty off of a deal, $50,000 is still more than the 20 it costs. So you can show an easy profit margin for doing these deals. Additionally, uh, takeaway is if you do the broker deals, most likely you're paying somewhere between 20 and $30,000 for that deal. So net net, the cost of doing these expos, other than time, if we you eliminate time as money, um, if you can get deals done and you have the budget to be consistent with them, they could be a viable option, again, as long as you can get the deals done. That's where I'll start. Charles, your opinion on those? Okay, so franchise trade shows. Is there a good ROI, right? And I think we need to evaluate, are we dealing with an emerging franchisor or an established franchisor? Um, my opinion is even pre-COVID, at least for emerging brands, I do not believe in the ROI of a franchise trade show. Um, if you think about trade shows, why they exist, well, they exist to have a local pool, pool of individuals that may be interested. They get to meet with you. But yet, in my opinion, every day someone can locally meet with you on a digital platform in your digital universe, right? So 
even before COVID, I've been a big advocate in not a negative way, not a political way, because I know we're going to get comments about it. I do not recommend emerging brands go to franchise trade shows, right? I do not recommend it. I do recommend they go to trade shows by broker organizations to network with brokers. I think that's helpful, but I don't think spending 20, 30, $40,000 for an emerging brand, fly your team over or go locally, um, present to a mass volume of individuals that 99.99% are not going to be your perfect candidate and most aren't qualified. And, and so I think most of the, again, not negative, but when emerging brands gravitate to these uh, expos, it's more a fear of missing out. Well, my competitor is doing it, so then I need to do it. And, and, and so I, I just don't think the ROI is there an emerging brand and you gave a good framework, right? If you're looking at the cost, what's the cost relative to deal value? What's the cost relative to franchise fee? But, but I would suggest also, what's the opportunity cost? If I'm an emerging brand, I could take that 30,000 and create my renewable digital uh, expo of my own on my own website, Yes. right? So I hate them for emerging brands and I also was at an expo as a franchisor and, you know, I'll take responsibility for it not being productive, although we try to make it productive, but it's disheartening. It's disheartening when you see emerging brands do this, especially when I would challenge three quarters of those emerging brands, they're at an expo and yet their website and digital probably drops the ball, right? So that's where I'm at. I think you you create a lot to unpack. Um, so look, if, if an emerging brand is coming to the table and they have a $250,000 development budget because they stored away enough cash to franchise the right way, then an expo might make sense. But I still think it's like, uh, you know, so, somewhere in the get, give it four swings. And if you could budget 80 grand for expos, if 80 grand fits into your expo budget, great. Maybe it's worth a shot. If 80 grand does not fit into your expo budget, and again, at 80 grand, you've got to get a deal done and you've got to have confidence that you can. So that 80 grand, now, now if you keep expanding, expanding that, you got your booth design. Some of these brands are convinced to give out food. So there's cost. Like it, it, it goes up from there. So you've got to be convinced that you're going to get a deal from these shows for it to make sense. In my opinion, every show that you do, you've got to be convinced you're going to get a deal. That, that is, that's got to be the, the groundwork. Um, okay, second point, um, and, and I think we could dive into this. I think digital expos are the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Your website is a digital expo, people. Like, why are you paying money to stand at a virtual booth? And so here's here's my issue with it. It's not that, it, like I get, I get businesses have to make money. So I understand how this thing is created, but, but, and, 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 and a, 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 a giant butt, I think they set expectations incorrectly. Even these expos, when when an expo comes out and says, we're going to drive thousands of people to the show. No, no, no. How about we talk about the quality people? So if there's going to be an, an online expo where you're, you're going to get to talk with people that were pre-qualified and pre-qualified that are looking at either X service or looking at X brand, I get it. Totally good. I love, I love when I get a guest in the background. Um, totally good. But but 
if you're not getting pre-qualified leads into this virtual expo, which is your website, uh, then why are you doing it? Go work on your why you why now, go work on in improving your website, go spend the money where it's actually gonna count, not in some silly pay five grand to sit at a virtual expo. Dumb in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, so we, we talked a lot or the communities talked a lot about how COVID has accelerated the future 10 years. Pre-COVID, my opinion is these expos. Watch this. Uh, dumb. <laughs> I just say dumb. <laughs> well, look. So, so again, let let's let's break that down, though. What is the reason why you don't like the online expos, right, um, Nick? Because I think behind that becomes, again, pre-COVID, pre-digital. The expo's controlled. They own the playing field and the franchisors are knocking down the why door. What's that? Why did, they, why did they control it? Because there was the, the digital reach didn't exist that exists no, today. That's not what it was. Why? There was lack of creativity. The problem, and, and, and I get it, it's hard to figure out how, where am I going to spend my money to go get the deals? Because there's no one single pathway. Now, I think what? digital got us closer, but there was no answer. Well, but Nick, the history of expos go back to England, right? Yeah. And so how else do you gather people together, right? So we're on video now, live stream, live community. So, I, I mean, it is a legacy concept. And I just don't, I, I just have problem with the uh, cost benefit analysis going forward. But let's go into why. Right, that, you don't that like that. Well, I had to throw it back on there. Which I did. Work? I know you heard me. I know you heard me, Jeff. But so so let, let's get into why you don't like the digital expos. And I think it may be for the same. To me, the weakness of the digital expo is pretty similar to the live expo. Um, ish. But here's OK. Let, let, let's back up before I get into like the, the digital ones are dumb. I'll say, I'll say it again, because it they're charging the same amount as the in-person ones, and the in-person interaction is a part of the franchise sale. That's why we have discovery days. Like, imagine selling in like like it, it's it even even in like a private discovery moment on a on a Zoom is more uh uh like connected or dialed in. But here's the, here's the problem with expos. And again, like if you listen to my opening statement, all all, all you expo people that are are. Uh, arguing me or yelling at the screen, which I, I love when that happens. That's why I'm doing it. I'm like the I am the Howard Stern of franchising. Uh, but the the reason, in my opinion, the reason they fail is we look at it as as a singular event. So we're most brands are marketing there. Uh, Michael Mabry, when he was at Muya, uh, he, he I, I liked his approach. Basically, he would do pre-show marketing to build up, like look at all their dead leads in that market, see if they can coordinate a, a re-engagement meeting. Um, he would do a little bit of PR and digital outreach in the marketplace to say, Muya was looking to expand there. So the pre-marketing was smart. Then at the expo, he's like, look, if I get one or two people that are coming up to the booth and are legitimate people that I can continue to talk with past this conversation, I win. And then after, he doesn't he doesn't scale back because he looks at a, uh, at a show let's say it's in New York as a local show. That's not a national show. He looks at it in New York and says, all right, we have to continue to spend because let's say we only talk with two good people that walk by our booth. Maybe another 10 walked by and said, oh, that's interesting. Just didn't want to be sold. So they walked by the booth. 
we have to keep marketing in there. So the three levels of marketing against an expo makes a difference. And frankly, for like a New York one, it gives presence in a key market where you actually have an opportunity to, to talk to people if you're using it as your meeting zone for what happens around it. So I think the reason expos fail for the most part is it's, it's a single layer uh, marketing strategy. Like it's, it's all reactive who comes up to my booth versus proactive. Um, so that that's one. The same thing can be true on a digital one, but the digital one, all that is like, I can get those people to my website unless again, they qualify the audience the right way that they're bringing in the right people into this expo and say, Hey, Charles, just so you know, like if, if for your focus, we have 50 franchisors that are currently looking for their next franchise attorney. You would say, great, I will buy a digital booth there. So I have a shot to tell my story on why us versus everyone else. But there's no qualification. It's just like, we're going to bring people here. That's why I don't like that. Because we could just spend Google ads and bring them to our website. It's the same thing. Well, it's interesting too. I, I think as you go to the expos, the live ones, more and more as a percentage suppliers versus franchisors, I think you end up seeing higher percentages of suppliers looking to sell franchisors at their own expos, right? And I think that could be a, a sign of a problem with them. Right, but, okay, but look at that as an opportunity, right? Like this is where my brain goes. We dismiss all those people, uh, but frankly, I mean, the, the people that are in uh, these expos as a supplier, I promise you, they're not having fun getting rejected by all of you people. No, <laughs> but, but, but let's yeah, be fair. Yeah, but Charles, watch. Wait, let me finish the point. Those people are salespeople. And I bet you if you strip away what title they're selling to you in your booth and use that as an opportunity to say, that's probably someone that could actually, if they're willing to go shake hands in a, in a expo where nobody wants them to come up, Maybe they're a qualified franchise buyer. Ed, take a moment and educate them about your franchise brand. You never, like the salespeople that walk this room, some of them will become franchisees someday. So we dismiss people because we, we stereotype them versus look at the opportunity. No, I, I think it makes sense for suppliers. As a supplier, before, you know, I feel bad, like don't waste the franchisor's time at an expo and let them do what they're there to do, which is sell franchises. So Simon. Simon's usually Mr. Positive. So it's good when he chimes in here and takes another, uh, another site. So digital expos are a ripoff. Visitor experience is poor. Put them on a Friday and Saturday. Right, I agree. What the fuck? And then run them for a full week. Uh, if you're gonna do it, tap into the people while they sing at their desks. Yeah, that's a great point. It really is, uh, you know, about the Friday, Saturday experience. Yeah, I guess Simon's like fleshing out a really good point, which is if you are or can succeed at digital, don't make the digital a duplicate of the in-person show, right? It, it, it's not meant to be that way. That's a great point. But, but I think this is where the opportunity comes about, right? So at least I go with themes for the year. And for me, 2021 is about decentralization, right? And empowerment of individuals, uh, entrepreneurs and franchisors. So take your power back, like F the expos, F the, I have to pay X dollars more to get a waste paper basket this big in my booth and go pound through your digital story 
like just make it encompassing, not not what we see now. I mean, use that capital. And I guess, Nick, when we come back or like, I guess our takeaway points, which I'm going to throw at you, I have a $30,000 budget. Uh, there's no expos now where I'm not going to one. Um, I'm an emerging franchisor. How do I deploy those that $30,000 of capital to make a difference? Sure. Close some deals. Well, okay. So, so I'm, I'm, for for the valuation of the thirty thousand, let's also look again. What I said, if you're if you're going to bring me qualified buyers, I may want to be there. So like the multi-unit franchise conference, they do a good job at it. The attendees are multi-unit franchisees. Now, if we take the insight that the multi-unit franchisee, the likelihood of them buying your brand, you're you're probably more likely to make money at the blackjack tables than them buying your brand. However, they're there. So if you have a compelling story that can show strong EBITDA, you might have a shot to say, to start a long, and those are long leads, you might have a shot to start a lead there. So that conference seems to make sense to me to exhibit, but understand the long leads, it's not a one show commitment. You're committing forever because the second you're not there, the multi-unit franchisee is going to say, "Well, why is that brand not here anymore? Is there some issue with it?" And because because that's how that's how people think. So you got to understand, like when you commit to some of these things, you got to be committed uh, for the long term. Okay, so you got thirty grand. What what do you do? Um, I probably spend uh, fifteen of it on my website. I take the other fifteen. Uh, it comes out to like twelve hundred dollars a month that I can spend. Uh, I spent 800 of that on uh, PPC slash Facebook. So how would I break that down? I would take 800, I'd spend 500 on Facebook, 200 on LinkedIn, 100 on, on uh, Google. And then I would take the other 400 and put it into retargeting because that that is the after effect marketing. I pulled someone into my website that I deemed hopefully qualified as a click uh, they looked at my stuff. They're not ready to buy. I need to retarget them. And the retargeting shouldn't say, hey, we're a great brand. It should say, hey, we are we are quickly taught or we, we are currently talking with franchisees in your market. Don't let this opportunity pass you. Like give something that creates a why now on your retargeting. Don't just make it a brand message. So that now is level two, you get them back to your site and maybe now they turn into a lead. With 30 grand, that, that's how I would spend it because uh, there's there's not much else to do. If you don't, uh, if you've already established the website, then spend another 15 on content creation and, and definition of your story, so you can have some consistency. Um, and again, from a from an expectation standpoint, as an emerging brand, my expectations are one deal out of thirty thousand dollars in marketing, two if we're lucky. That would be my how I set the expectation. Unless your product and your EBITDA. And your your the foundational side of your business is superior. Well, and, and let's just grab that. Imagine for an emerging brand, like you see many emerging brands, they're like bootstrapping their budget just to get to the show, right? And even if they get interest, they can't close the deal because they don't have that validation. They don't have that story. Imagine an emerging brand deploying $15,000 for content creation. It sounds like a lot. It's really not, but that's impactful for that emerging brand, right? Um, Knowing that the user, like even in a show, like the show is a micro moment, but the buyer, if you take a buyer in a show, 
they're doing their research. They're looking at other brands or trying to get a sense of what would they have interest in buying. Something pulled them into that show in the first place that triggered them to say, maybe franchising makes sense for me. Right. They're doing their homework in real time. All of that is content creation. Like that, that is a, that is a, that is the worldwide web of franchise opportunities. So if I were a novice buyer and I'm walking to a show, I'm looking at that to understand what's out there, what seems attractive, what seems like a fad, where could I put my money, uh, who's who's behind these booths, how much energy are they putting against it? Like I would do that. Like that's my that's my live research. So it, like that's and that's content marketing. It's just look at it in a different way. It's not in the written world word. It's in it's in a in the sense of a booth. Well, and think about it. The franchisor is in a booth. How many times he or she is explaining or discussing why us, why now, the value of their franchise? And yet, at the same time, there's not a video on their website discussing all of that, right? That daily oh, no. conversation. Yeah. They don't know. They don't have a roadmap. They don't. They don't like. And that's not franchisor's fault. They they don't know the best pathway to do this. And they're, they're relying on, on the industry to help say like, all right, guy or girl, this is this is your pathway of least resistance. It's going to set you up for the greatest shot at, at success. Now, okay. if, here, here's here's my ultimate correction for the expos. And again, like to be clear, I started off by saying as long as you can budget 80 grand into expos, I do think it's an interesting part of your your budget, especially if you take the Michael Mabry approach, where it's the beginning, middle, and end of marketing, there's a three-level marketing to it. Like if the, check, 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 I can do those things. Then it's interesting. Um, if I if I if I bought all the franchise expos today, how I would organize it? I would organize it in a way that's productive for the buyer. So each of those lanes, each of those those uh, those rows, I would build them out by investment level and size. I would not allow franchisors to pick their booths. I would give, I would basically invite the franchise broker community there to greet people at the beginning and say, hey, if you want a tour guide for me to walk you through and show That's you what's right here, I'll show you. And let, okay, here's how much money you have. We're going to go down this one. I can show you the million dollar investments, but the reality is it's going to be hard for you to invest it. You, you pair human with organization now, franchisors might might balk for a second at that, but the reality is, I think that gives you a better shot of having a deal. And now I walk down there, and yeah, if your competitors doing things different than you, you want the buyer to you want the buyer to talk to your competition so that they get comfortable with the idea of buying you. That's the south. Like I think that would make a productive conference that people would buzz about and say, "Wow, we disrupted expos and made them more productive." And the same goes for like an IFA where it's, a, it's more of a supplier showcase. Marketing and PR is all down one aisle. Help that help the user know where to go. You need legal services, you go down aisle two. You need accounting services, you go down aisle three. Like make it productive. The problem is fear of competition that, you know, I can't be next to my competitor, it won't work. It will work because they're gonna do it anyway. That's how people do their research online. They look at your competition. I think that's great. About you the brokers. Charles, do you know how high my blood pressure is getting right now? It's over franchise expos. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. You had me rethink a couple of things. One, I agree about the multi-unit, right? If it because that's a very targeted uh, type conference. Um, but I'm also stuck on the budget, right? So you're saying eighty thousand 
a year for the trade shows, right? And that also presumes, in my opinion, you've spent at least that 30000 to tell your story on your website and to launch a retargeting and remarketing campaign, which Joe brings up a great point. Hey, if your retargeting takes a, a, a candidate back to your uh, inquiry form, you're making a mistake, right? You're going to say retargeting doesn't work. It does. It's just you're not supposed to retarget them back to your inquiry form. Look, I, I think this is a productive conversation. And look, I get it. If there was if there was a conversation about whether PR works or not, I mean, I would I would argue till I'm blue in my face the value of it. It's not. First of all, it's not uh, lead generation. It's lead awareness. So I have a point of view that's different than everyone else. Um, but I would argue it. So I get it. Like this is an uncomfortable topic. But the 80k, Charles. It's if a brand can afford the 80k times four. Like if they're coming to the table with quarter million dollars of a development budget, which is a good budget for development. If they can afford that, it's going to be funny. I love it. I love it. Uh, I hope he does something. He's, he's doing his thing. <laughs> I love uh, it. If you can afford a quarter million dollar budget, do that expose because you're not going to like, you might not even be able to exhaust the complete budget, but do that expose smart. Like go to the ones that count, like go, go to the international builder show. If you're in the home space, go to, Go to uh, restaurant finance uh, if you're if you're in the restaurant space. Like be be smart of the way that you select it. Don't go don't go so broad stroke in the way that you're doing it. But I so, do think, I do think there's going to be a purpose to some of these. So I so can I set a preview for one of our future topics? Thanks to Joe Caruso. Yeah, go for it. All right. So the headline is is LinkedIn disrupting the trade shows and making them irrelevant, right? So I think we need to. Uh, you know, one of our future episodes, we really need to dive into LinkedIn and really have this conversation about, and it, again, it's going to be an all of the above strategy, but for the headline, is LinkedIn disrupting the International Franchise Expo? I don't know. I mean, you you went, you you pulled out the guns on that last comment, but I do agree with you. Well, <laughs> let's, uh, maybe we talk about LinkedIn next week. Okay. And if you're not linked in with either of us, do it. Join the community. Thank you to our community for uh, communicating about this. And in our newsletter this week, Bottom Thoughts, we tee up this discussion. We're gonna we're gonna liven this up. We're gonna we want your your help on this discussion. So look on Friday. We'll put up a question in our community page on Facebook uh, where you can join in and give your point of view on on uh, the expos. So have a great weekend. See you guys later. Bye, Frenix.